Welcome to another message from the teaching team at Elevation Church Australia. For more information about our church, service times and locations, visit elevationchurch.com.au. 2 Chronicles 5 verse 11, it says, And when the priests came out of the holy place, for all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves without regard to their divisions, and all the Levitical singers, Asaph, Heman and Jedithan, their sons and kinsmen arrayed in fine linen with cymbals, harps and lyres stood east of the altar with 120 priests who were trumpeters. And it was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison, in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Come on. The house, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. Today we are talking about the presence of God. The title of my message is Worship in His Presence. Let's pray. Lord, we just lift you up right now. I thank you that you're here. I thank you that you are present. Thank you that we get to experience and encounter your presence. I pray as I speak that uh, it is not my words, but it is your words, Lord. Speak what needs to be spoken and and hold what needs to be held. Lord, I pray that uh, this is your word that goes out of my mouth, not on deaf ears, but it cuts like a double-edged sword. Thank you for what you've done in this room and what you're going to continue to do in our lives. And all the saints said, Amen. Come on, let's give our God a shout of praise. So good. Come on, He's worthy. We can make a noise. Come on. on. So good. Well, you can all take a seat. And when you are sitting, turn to your neighbour and say, Hey, look behind you. God's there. Because God's everywhere. Right? Who has been enjoying our worship series? Come on. Who's been enjoying our worship series? That's right. Come on. If, if, if there's something that I say that's good, let me know. Because you don't know what your, uh, what your hallelujah, what your amen, what your clap, what your agreement will do for the person next to you. In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus talks about the power of agreement. The power of when two people come together and agree upon something. So if there's something I say and you agree with it, come on, let me know. Because you're not agreeing with me, you're agreeing with the Word of God. You're not agreeing with the preacher, you're agreeing with our God. And if there's something that you don't agree with, let me know later. Uh, But we've been going through uh, our series, uh, Heart of Worship. And if you are a guest in this place, we just want to extend such a warm welcome. We are so excited that you have joined us here today. Uh, My name is Ben. And I'm one of the worship pastors. I, I am one of the. I am the worship pastor here, not one of. I am the worship pastor and also the young adults pastor here at Elevation Church Hills. Uh, and 
uh, in our series, uh, we've been talking about worship. Obviously, heart of worship, worship. Makes sense, right? So in week one, our lead pastor, Miles Pallion, he talked about biblical worship. What does biblical worship look like, right? It's not soft. It's not re- reserved. It's, it's not just a you and Jesus. It's, it's loud. It's boastful. It's, it's singing loudly because He is worthy. It's, it's raising our hands. It, it's not just a charismatic thing to do to raise your hands. It's a biblical thing that Israelites have been doing for thousands of years. So we clap and that is what biblical worship looks like. And then last week we talked about worship as warfare. Because our battles are not with flesh and blood, amen. Our battles are with powers and principalities that are all around us. That is where our battles lie. So when we we battle in, in the spirit realm, it's when we pray, it's when we praise, it's when we worship. So when we raise our hands, that is our fight. That is when we are fighting because we are saying, God, we love you. You are amazing. You are big and the battle is yours. Because we don't need to fight physically. We need to fight spiritually and God will fight on our behalf. And men, we have been called to fight. We've been called to step up and fight. The manliest thing you can do is worship. Look at David. He was a worshiper, yet he tore apart lions. The manliest thing you can do is worship. And you've been called to lead your family. You've been called to lead your your spouse. Uh, You've been called to war on their behalf. So we need to step up men and we need to war for for our brides. We need to war for our families and war for our brides that you may not yet have. Pray for them. Worship for them. Because when, when you do step into that marriage, you've got a foundation of warfare that you can stay upon. That is what worship as warfare looks like. And then today, we are talking about worship in His presence. This, uh, this message has bur- be bur- been burning in me for a while. And you can always tell about how much scripture I'm going to do by how many sticky notes I've got. So we're going to make it. It's going to be okay. It's going to be good. Uh, but we are talking about worship in His presence. Psalm 95, uh, 2, it says, Let us come into His presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to Him with songs of praise. Amen. Come on. Someone knows it off by heart. And it's also behind me, so it's a bit easy. <laughs> but it's all right. Come on. We, we should come into the presence of God. And there is nothing like the presence of God. There's nothing like knowing you're standing in the presence of the living, breathing God. Some of us, we might experience it like tingles. Some of us, it might be the the goosebumps we get in worship. Uh, Some of us might feel a heat or a weight that is upon us. Uh, It might sometimes feel like you, you need to cry or you're so filled with the joy of the Lord that it comes out in laughter. You can laugh in this place because God is good, right? If you're filled with the joy, let, let us know. He, he is good and His love endures forever. So that is what it is like. It's that there's nothing like standing in His presence because one moment, not a second, but a moment in His presence can change everything. Doesn't matter what you're facing. Doesn't matter uh, what valley you might feel like you're in. One moment in His presence can change everything. But I feel like there's some confusion around what is God's presence, right? Because in kids' church, we're told God's everywhere. It's true, He is everywhere. And then when we, when we give our lives to Jesus, He then also resides in us. But then in Psalm 95, it says, let us come into His presence. And we sing songs like, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. But if He's already here, why are we welcoming Him in? Right? So 
when us as Christians, we gather, God shows up in a special way. So that is what we are talking about today. So firstly, God is omnipresent. Omnipresent is just a fancy word that says everything, right? Omni meaning all and present meaning present. All present. Yeah, pretty easy to remember. So God is omnipresent. And we see this throughout Scripture. And it starts just in the very first verse in Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. In Psalm 139, David says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol or the grave, you are there. And then in Jeremiah 20, 23, 24, God says, Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him? Is there anywhere we can go from the presence of God? No, because God is everywhere. We cannot run, we cannot hide from the presence of God. And once we realize this, and once we understand that the Israelites knew this, how much more silly does the story of Jonah become? Jonah was called to to go preach to the Ninevites. So he heard the voice of the Lord. He knew God. He knew God was everywhere. But when God called him to go preach uh, and to call them to repentance, he decided to run right? He's like, all good, David. You said in heaven, God's there. On earth, God's there. In hell, uh, in Sheol, God's there. I'm going to try Spain, (laughs) right? Come on. Like, how silly is that? God is everywhere. But but, but Jonah's like, you know what? I'm going to try Spain. I'm going to see if God's in Spain, right? There's nowhere we can go from His presence. He is everywhere. And I feel like there's some people in the room tonight where you have you you may be in this situation or you remember a time where you've tried to run from God. You've tried to run from this omnipresent God. He might have called you to something and you're just like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. Like Jonah, you might have grown up in the church your whole life, but then you're just like, you know what? I've had enough of this church thing. I'm just going to try something different. You might, might have been hurt by the church and you're like, you know what? That's enough. I'm just going to step out and do whatever I need to do. Wherever you are in that, in that journey of, of trying to run from God, the more you run, the harder it becomes. The more you try and hide, the more tired you become because you are trying to do the one thing that's impossible. Remove yourself from His presence, but it is everywhere. There is one place in eternity where God's presence is tr- truly absent, and that's hell the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth, of eternal torment. That is the one place where God's presence is absent because that's what hell is. It's the the absence of His presence. It's the absence of light. So on this side of eternity, there is nowhere we can go to run or hide from His presence. Like he is bigger than this church. He is bigger than this city. He's bigger than this nation. He's bigger than the earth. He's bigger than the, the Milky Way. He's bigger than the universe. We don't even know where the ends of the universe are, but we know that God is bigger than it. 
Come on, we're, how good is it that we serve a big God that doesn't matter how big our situation might be, it is small in comparison to our mighty God. That is the God that we serve. How good is that? So God is omnipresent, but God is also present in His people. In Romans 8, 9, it says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. When we give our life to Jesus, when we, we repent and we give our sins to Jesus and he, and he washes us clean, He then places His Spirit within us. In Ephesians, it, uh, Paul calls it the, the seal of our salvation. So when we are saved, Jesus then places His Spirit within us to seal it. We can't lose our salvation because Jesus has sealed it within us, right? So that, that, that's what it is. We can't, we can't lose our salvation, but it is something that is placed inside of us. And I feel, all of us, I feel like we go through times where we feel we're far from God. All of us, there are times where we feel like we're, we're a little bit dry, where we feel like we can't hear God, where we just feel like He's distant. But most of the time, when we feel like we are far from God, it's because we haven't spent time with Him. It's because we're not hanging out with Him, right? We're not spending time in His Word. We're not spending time worshipping Him. We're not spending time just praying to Him and seeking Him. See, if me and my wife, we just stopped talking one day, but we lived in the same house, slept in the same bed, our relationship would change. We would still be in the, the, the sleeping in the same bed. Our proximity would not change. We would be living in the same house, parenting the same kids, but our relationship would change. I wouldn't know what she's going through. I wouldn't know what, what's uh, bringing her joy, what her struggles are. If we stop speaking while our proximity doesn't change, our relationship changes. Our emotional state changes. And as like it is in a marriage, it is the same with God. As we need to be intentional with spending time with God. We need to be intentional about reading His Word, intentional about praising Him, praying to Him, cutting out time in our day to, to spend with Him. Because if we don't, we feel far from here. Because God is, 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 has not left us. He's omnipresent, so He's all around us. He's present within the, in us if we are Christians. So it's just us removing ourselves from knowing Him. And I feel like a lot of us, we can take the Holy Spirit for granted, right? We can take it for granted. We're like, yep, I know, I know God. He's everywhere. He's in me. It's all good. But this wasn't always the case. God's, God's Spirit, God's presence in Israel was constricted to what's called the Ark of the Covenant, which resided in the temple. And we read about this in, in Exodus 26. So Exodus 26, verse 33, And you shall hang the veil from the clasps and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the veil. 
And the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy place. See, the temple was broken up into three parts. You've had the outer courts, which everyone could go to. You then had the holy place, and then you had the most holy place. And the most holy place was where the Ark of the Covenant resided. The most holy place was where uh, the dwelling place of God was, because that's what an Ark is. The Ark of the Covenant was just the mobile dwelling place of God. And then he said, place a curtain in front of it. And this curtain wasn't just your normal like blinds curtain. It was a big curtain. It was tall. It was wide. It was deep, right? It was a big, chunky curtain. And it resembled the fact that we could not enter into God's presence because we are not holy. We cannot spend time in His presence or we will die. There was only one day a year called the Day of Atonement when one priest, after consecrating himself properly, could even enter into the Holy of Holies. And if he didn't consecrate himself properly, they'd have to tie a rope around him just in case he died so they can pull him out. That's what was going on in there. His presence, God's presence is a holy presence and we need to be holy people to enter it. And we couldn't until... Jesus died on the cross. Come on. How good is that in Matthew 27? Yeah, come on. We can make some noise. How good is that? Jesus, when He's on the cross, and Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up His Spirit. And behold, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom, and the earth shook and the rocks were split. The veil was torn. What this was saying was, we now had access to the presence of God. It wasn't held, uh, hidden behind a curtain. It was now out in the world, available to anyone. And in Ephesians 3.12, it says, we can now boldly and confidently come into the presence of God because of what Jesus has done. So because Jesus has died on the cross, because He had paid the price for our sins, we are now washed clean and seen as righteous in the eyes of God, seen as holy in the eyes of God. Our sins are gone and now we can spend time in the presence of God and we can have the presence of God fill us. Come on. We can give God a shout of praise. That is good news today. So if God is everywhere and God is within us, Why do we need to come on a Sunday? What's so special about this gathering? Well, God shows up when His people gather to worship Him. God shows up when His people gather to worship Him. When we worship God, He makes His presence manifest. Manifest, it means to make evident or certain by showing or displaying. In Matthew 18.20, It says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. When two or three are gathered in his name, he is physically here. Most of you would know that uh, earlier this year, me and my wife Anna, we welcomed into the world our second child, Zoe. Uh, It's been a wild ride. You don't have to clap for her. That's fine. Uh, It's been a wild ride. And as parents know, yes, it has gone super fast. It has gone wildly fast, but it has been amazing. And when she first came into the world, I loved her so much. I just loved her. And I knew she loved me because kids... They just eat, sleep, poop, right? And Anna, she did the feeding. Zoe slept herself and then I cleaned the poop. 
mostly. Um, so I knew she loved me because there wasn't much else in her life to love, right? I knew there was love between us. I knew she loved me. I knew I loved her. But that first moment when she looked at me and smiled, that first moment when she saw me and she stretched out her hands to me saying, Dad, I want you. Man, that was different. I didn't just know that her that she loved me. She was making her love manifest. She was showing me that she loved me. And that is exactly what happens when we meet on a Sunday. When God turns up and manifests His presence, we don't just know He's here. He shows and proves that He's here because He wants to dwell with His people. That's what tabernacle means. He wants to dwell with us. I'll make you a people and I will dwell with you. I will be there and I will show you that I am there. You just don't have to think about it. I will show you that I am there. So God's presence shows up specially when we gather. So God is everywhere. The Holy Spirit is within us. But when the church gathers to praise Him, He shows up in a special way and His presence becomes manifest. Psalm 22.3, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel or inhabiting the praises of your people. When we praise, when we worship, He is here. And the praise of God's people changes the atmosphere. The praise of God's people changes the atmosphere because our praise attracts His presence. Our praise attracts His presence. So we're going to jump back into 2 Chronicles and we're going to go through what that looks like. How do we create an environment for for God to show up? Because we can't control His presence. We can't control Him manifesting, but we can create an environment that He wants to come into, that He wants to manifest Himself into. Because God won't show up where He's not wanted. He'll only show up where he's worshipped and uh, kept in adoration and in awe. So, number one, they brought the ark in. Verse seven, it says, Then the priests brought the ark of the covenant to the Lord, sorry, of the Lord, to its place in the inner sanctuary of the house, in the most holy place, underneath the wings of the cherubim. So they brought the ark in. And I don't know if you've noticed, but we don't have an Ark of the Covenant here. The drums kind of look like one now because we kind of put a lid on it and we just like kind of cage them. Uh, but we don't have an Ark, uh, like a physical Ark, because now we don't need one Ark. We have many Arks. We have an Ark called Gabe. We have an Ark called Callum. We have an Ark called Dala. We have an Ark called Lindsay. We have an Ark called Sam. We are now the ark because an ark, the ark of the covenant was just the mobile dwelling place of his presence. And where's the mobile dwelling place of his presence? In us. We are now the mobile dwelling place of his presence. So when it says they brought the ark in, what does that mean? Come to church. Come to church and gather together. In Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, the author, he reminds us, he goes, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, 
as it is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This word that we translate as meat, it's the Greek word episynagoge, or as we'll transliterate it in English, episynagogue. Episynagogue. See, the book of Hebrews, as the name suggests, was written to Israelites, written to Hebrews. So the author's not just saying, don't forget to hang out. Don't forget to go over each other's house every now and again. He's saying, do not neglect synagogue. Do not neglect the temple. Do not forget to turn up together and worship our God together. Do not forget, come to church because it is important. And I'm sorry that some of you have to hear it this way, but I need to tell you, you are not the church. The church is not a single person. The church is a group of people gathered in the name of Jesus. We heard that through COVID. Go out and be the church, but you can't be the church if you're by yourself. You can only be the church if you're here gathered with other Christians. The church is a group of people coming together. So if you want to be the church, join with other Christians. If you want to be the church, come to church. So number one, they brought the ark in. And number two, they lifted up praise. It says in verse 13, And it was the duty of the trumpeters and the singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. It was the duty of the priests to make themselves heard. It was the duty of the priests. And now you and I are the priests. We are a royal priesthood. We don't have special people on platform that are just the priests. We are all priests. So it is all of our duty to make ourselves heard. If you're wondering why we sing loud, it's because the Bible tells us to. If you're wondering why we praise loud, it's because the Bible tells us to. If you're wondering why we play loud, it's because the Bible tells us to. Because it is our duty to make ourselves heard. And then we lift up a song of praise with the trumpets and the cymbals. And you might realize we don't have trumpets. Please don't bring any next week. <laughs> we don't have trumpets and we just put a cage around the cymbals. What is that? What's going on? You say you praise them and then you're caging them. Just because you don't have a trumpet, you have a voice. You don't have cymbals, but you've got some hands. So when we lift up a shout of praise, that is what we are doing. We are worshipping our King worthy the way the Bible tells us to. And we are clapping because we clap in reverence and awe to our God. That is what we are doing when we are loud. So they brought the ark in. They lifted up praise and then God became manifest. So when, in verse 13 and 14, and when the song was raised, the house of the Lord was filled with a cloud so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord filled the house of God. That is the church that I want to be a part of. Where we praise our God and He turns up in our midst. Where we praise our God and He comes to meet with us. So we don't praise our God, praise the presence of our God. We praise so it may attract His presence. We don't sing in response to God's presence, but it's our worship that manifests 
God's presence. If you're waiting to feel His presence before you praise, before you sing, you've got to reverse. Sing and He'll show up. Praise and He'll show up. That is the church that we are. We are a praising, worshipping church and He will show up because His promises are yes and amen. And He said, if you praise me, I will be there. If you praise me, I will show up. If you praise me, I will change your circumstance. So that is who our God is. So if that is what we can do to, to welcome into the room Jesus, to welcome into the room the presence of God, what happens in the presence? Well, God's presence changes us. One moment in His presence can change our life. One moment in His presence can change your, your, your walk, your, your situation, your circumstance, whatever you might be going through, it will change you in one moment in His presence. He can bring peace to your chaos. As it says in Exodus 30, 33, 14, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. In, in Psalm 16, 11, it says, you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. He can bring joy to our sadness. And He can also bring power to our weakness. Acts 2. Come on. When the day of Pentecost arrives, they were all together in one place, just like we are now. They were praising, they were worshipping, they were praying, they were waiting upon the Lord. And then suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. The house of the Lord, the power of the Lord filled the house and then the power of the Lord filled the people. But He can bring power to your weakness. If you are feeling tired on a Sunday morning or a Sunday afternoon, come into the house because there is power. If you are struggling with something, come to a gathering because He can bring power to your weakness. If you feel like you are far from God, come into a place where you know that God is going to be manifest. Come into a place where you know God is going to be. If that is the church. That is what we are doing here on a Sunday. And when we praise Him and when He manifests Himself, He will soften hearts. In 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians 14 verse 24, it says, but if all prophesy, and it says in Joel 2 and Acts 2 that when He pours out His Spirit, we'll all prophesy. When he, we all prophesy and an unbeliever or an outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. When we play, when we praise, when we worship, we create a space, an environment for people to be saved. We create a place for people come to, to come into an encounter with the living God. I've heard countless stories where people just walk into rooms where, where the power of God is so tangible that they just fall to their knees because they know that their God is in this room. They know that God is in that room and they just need to worship Him. They just need to glorify Him because that is who our God is. So if that's what a Sunday should look like, if that's what a Sunday does look like, are you coming expectant? Do you believe that is going to happen? Are you coming expecting that He will move? Are you coming expecting that He He will pour out His presence? Are you coming expecting that He will fill us? Are you coming expecting that miracles will pour out? Because He says that when you preach and proclaim the gospel, signs and wonders will follow me. It is a promise and His promises are yes and amen. So if you're in this place and you need a miracle, stand up and worship Him. If you if you need a healing in your body, stand up and worship Him. If you need uh, if you need a breakthrough in your life come on stand
stand up and worship Him. If you need just a new revelation of who your God is, stand up and worship Him. If you have a testimony of the goodness of God, stand up and worship Him. If you want to just seek and feel, be filled by the presence of God, stand up and worship Him. Come on, church. Let's...